in that race memory which we call instinct. Gladys was full of every womanly quality. Some judged her to be cold and hard, but such a thought was treason. That delicately bronzed skin, almost oriental in its colouring, that raven hair, the large, liquid eyes, the full but exquisite lips, all the stigmata of passion were there. But I was sadly conscious that up to now I had never found the secret of drawing it forth. However, come what might, I should have done with suspense and bring matters to a head tonight. She could but refuse me, and better be a repulsed lover than an accepted brother. So far my thoughts had carried me, and I was about to break the long and uneasy silence when two critical dark eyes looked round at me, and the proud head was shaken in smiling reproof. I have a presentiment that you are going to propose, Ned. I do wish you wouldn't, for things are so much nicer as they are. I drew my chair a little nearer. Now, how did you know that I was going to propose? I asked in genuine wonder. Don't women always know? Do you suppose any woman in the world was ever taken unawares? But, oh, Ned, our friendship has been so good and so pleasant. What a pity to spoil it. Don't you feel how splendid it is that a young man and a young woman should be able to talk face to face as we have talked? I don't know, Gladys. You see, I can talk face to face with... with the station master. I can't imagine how that official came into the matter, but in he trotted and set us both laughing. <laughs> that does not satisfy me in the least. I want my arms round you and your head on my breast and... Oh, Gladys, I want... She had sprung from her chair as she saw signs that I proposed to demonstrate some of my wants. You've spoiled everything, Ned, she said. It's all so beautiful and natural until this kind of thing comes in. It is such a pity. Why can't you control yourself? I didn't invent it, I pleaded. It's nature. It's love. Well, perhaps if both love, it may be different. I have never felt it. But you must. You with your beauty, with your soul. Oh, Gladys, you were made for love. You must love. One must wait till it comes. But why can't you love me, Gladys? Is it my appearance or what? She did unbend a little. She put forward a hand. Such a gracious, stooping attitude it was. And she pressed back my head. Then... She looked into my upturned face with a very wistful smile. No, it isn't that, she said at last. You are not a conceited boy by nature, and so I can safely tell you it is not that. It's deeper. My character? She nodded severely. What can I do to mend it? Do sit down and talk it over. No, really, I won't if you'll only sit down. She looked at me with a wondering distrust, which was much more to my mind than her whole-hearted confidence. How primitive and bestial it looks when you put it down in black and white, and perhaps after all it is only a feeling peculiar to myself. Anyhow, she sat down. Now tell me, what's amiss with me? I'm in love with somebody else, said she.
It was my turn to jump out of my chair. It's nobody in particular, she explained, laughing at the expression of my face. Only an ideal. I've never met the kind of man I mean. Tell me about him. What does he look like? Oh, he might look very much like you. How dear of you to say that. Well, what is it that he does that I don't do? Just say the word. Teetotal, vegetarian, aeronaut, theosophist, superman. I'll have a try at it, Gladys. If you will only give me an idea, what would please you? She laughed at the elasticity of my character. Well, in the first place, I don't think my ideal would speak like that, said she. He would be a harder, sterner man, not so ready to adapt himself.